Welcome to Gu Dao Jingxing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into the ancient texts of Taoism to uncover its timeless wisdom and discuss how to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm David Wong, Executive Coach. I'm joined by my co-host Ian Felton, practicing psychotherapist. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, David, and almost Happy New Year. Yes, yes, I can、uh, believe time flies, and、uh, today is the thirty-first of December, the last day of two thousand and twenty-three. Yeah, it's mind-boggling the the numbers.、Uh, they mean something when you're in that year, and then how quickly they fade into the past, and it's it's just a a number. Yes, yes, yes.、Uh, you know, I did some research and look into when humans, you know, human species started to celebrate、uh, celebrate the、uh, the New Year,、mm. and it went back, I think,、uh, you know, four thousand years ago to the to Babylon and、uh, the Babylonians. They、uh, kind of prayed to God, and they also made resolution. But at that time, they made resolution to return to the return、uh, to their neighbors、uh, the the farming equipments, <laughs> so and also pay their debts. So that's the、oh, wow. New Year resolution they made during that time. A, a simpler time, but obviously, the the cycles of life you would have been impacted so much more by. The weather and you know the the unpredictability of it. Exactly, exactly. Actually, the starting of the new year started in the、uh, the the equinox, the the、uh, the March in March、uh, for them. But then you know in Roman times, the Caesar,、uh, you know they add one month, uh, uh, actually two months to their original ten months. So then they end up like making. January, which is one of their gods, like the Janus, the the,、mm. the person, you know, you see with the two faced, right, looking past、oh. to the past and looking to the future, right. So the January came from one of the Roman gods, like like the word janitor, right? Janitor is、mm. the, it's the gates, actually the gatekeeper or the people who sweeps, you know, around the gates.、Mm-hmm. So, but then later on, it just Evolving to the meaning of, you know, a transition. So wow, I find it interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. I I was not aware of you know the the meaning and the names and and you know the two the god with two faces looking back and reflecting and looking、mm-hmm. forward and and hoping. Yeah, well, that's the exactly the kind of the time we're in. So. I'm very curious about,、uh, you know, how you feel about this moment, and、uh, you know, if you look at look back on this year,、uh, what are the some of the key moments of walking the timeless way you experience? I think the the central thing, and it's really at the core of Tao Te Ching, and and if you want to. You know, use words like Taoism or or 
or Taoist that it, it's about letting go that mm-hmm. there, there is really nothing to grasp or hold on to. Mm-hmm. And that I think, you know, e- each year is kind of an unfolding and, and, and an opening up. And I think that, that this year really felt like it was a central, um, or, or kind of a, a, a pivotal year in and letting go, you know, letting go of distrust mm-hmm. and fear. Mm-hmm. And then in Taoist terms, we know, well, well, why, why do we let go? We let go because we have to, first of all, because Tao can't be grasped. It can't be held on to, but then we also know that central to Taoist thought is space. Mm-hmm. And if you're holding on to distrust and fear and anger, which is, I mean, those are all emotions that I struggle with mm-hmm. and, and can mm-hmm. be, can be um, really affected by. And if we're holding on to those, that's what's filling up the space and if all that's filling up the space, how is there room for faith? How is there room for hope? How is there room for trust, for contentment? How is there room for optimism? And so letting go is, is central to that. And, and it's through the act of letting go that we're also making space for the other things that we want to have come in. And, and so, um, each day, each day I'm more and more committed to that knowing, I mean, you can, Taoism isn't something that you intellectualize. It's not something where, you know, you're creating an intellectual structure in your mind and saying, you know, it's these thoughts or whatever. It's, it's something that you have to live and it's a path that you walk. I mean, that's what the word Tao means. It's, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a path. It's, it's a way. And when you walk it and you experience it, then it really drives it home that yes, if, if I have to make space for these things and what's taking up the space when we do this reflection this time of year and kind of do an inventory of the year and look at what, what was taking up the space. Mm -hmm. If we're seeing those toxic, you know, anger, fear, distrust, um, you know, you figure out what it is for you. Those are the ones that, that are big for me if we're not willing to let go of them, if we're not willing to look at what do we, what are we gaining by holding on to those? A lot of times we think it's, it's protecting us from harm. We think mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. A, a safety mechanism, but you know, it, really it isn't. It's, it's really the thing that's corrosive and destructive and, and doing the damage. So, uh, I, I would say definitely the the biggest thing from this year is is that real embodied experience of letting go and how important it is. Um, 
just to give an example, it was um, kind of mid year and I was talking with some of my business partners about, you know, our plans for the year and feeling like, you know, I had a, I, I had a pretty good um, idea about where we might go and um, believed that that's where we were going to be heading. And along the way, I had all kinds of, you know, really strong emotions, a lot of painful emotions and that sort of thing. And we did end up there. We, we ended up, you know, six months later where I felt that we would. And my girlfriend pointed out to me, she said, Mm -hmm. you know, like, it seems like, you know, you knew where you were heading and you got there. Couldn't you have just got there without having all of those painful emotions along the way? (laughs) Like, wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a very, uh, you know, that's a good reminder, right? That's a, that, that's really a thought, a very helpful thought. So that's what I have. I think this is a very ti- <clears throat> timely thought as we look at, <clears throat> step into the new year. I think, uh, you know, as you're, you're, we're talking, I was thinking about uh, the classic uh, Zen story about the master, right? The pouring mm-hmm. uh, some tea into the cup. And uh, if the cup is uh, full, then you cannot pour any in. So if we look forward to the possibilities of the new year, we'd better, you know, get rid of things to kind of leave room for these new possibilities. Um, you know, as I think about this past year for me, you know, one of the key takeaways is to, um, I, I, I find out, you know, I found out more and more that I tend to think uh, clearer and more completely about things or people around me if I have a quieter mind. Uh, and then, you know, I try to figure out, okay, how can I get my mind to be a little bit quieter, you know, I find that uh, a lot of things, a lot of times the mind cannot be quiet if I'm, you know, was trying to resist something or judge something or attach something. So those are the three things I think a lot of times, you know, get the mind really kind of, you know, very uh, obsessed or overthinking or, just um, it's not like restful or peaceful. So I think as I get into the new year, you know, I'll continue to practice this and, uh, and notice uh, resistance or attachment or any kind of judgment I have, and then help, you know, this dear friend of mine, my mind, just to be a little bit quieter so I can continue to see you know, greater things and larger things and see them, you know, more wholly and clearly. That's the kind of thing I want to do going into the new year. Yeah, it really sounds like those areas that you're focusing on, it's like a dam where 
the 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 clean water that you want to flow that that clean flow of thought that you want to have happen when those other things are there it's like a dam and it dams up that and and those new ideas those you know whatever the next thing coming is it it can't get there while those thoughts are kind of damming it up exactly exactly well talking about that because you know you talked about letting go you know i just mentioned the experience of uh being quieter i think the this uh chapter chapter 23 actually is a good one to continue to uh focus on uh you know these themes uh don't you think yeah i, th- I think so for for sure why don't we uh maybe uh have you read the uh original chinese text first and i'll share with our listeners uh the one of the versions of the english translation great xi yan zi ran gu piao fang bu zhong zhao zhou yu bu zhong ri shu wei ci zhe tian di 天地尚不能久 Fantastic. Well, let me uh, share um, Jia Fu Feng and the Jane English version. I found this one pretty good. To talk little is natural. High winds do not last all morning. Heavy rain does not last all day. Why is this? Heaven and earth. If heaven and earth cannot make things eternal, how is it possible for man? He who follows the Tao is at one with the Tao. He who is virtuous experiences virtue. He who loses the way feels lost. When you are at one with the Tao, the Tao welcomes you. When you are one with virtue, the virtue is always there. When you are at one with loss, the loss is experienced willingly. He who does not trust enough will not be trusted. Yeah, it's it. There's so much there, and just those Lao poetry. Yes, exactly, exactly. So maybe let's begin at the beginning and uh, start with the first sentence. Ah, Xi Yan Zi Ran. Zi Ran is one of the key concepts in uh, in Tao Te Ching. So could you uh, 
Ian, could you、um, help our listeners understand a little bit、uh, this first sentence?、Uh, you know, why does speaking little is in alignment with with Tao or Ziran?、Uh, what can, kind of benefits? Because we're living in a world. Because、uh, we're in a world of.、Um, Uh, really, a noisy and performative culture, and people are encouraged to speak up and you know turn their volume volume up.、Uh, but silence is not valued in this culture. But why, you know, in this first sentence, Laozi encourages us to emulate Ziran nature, you know, to speak less. Well, if you've ever. Taking a walk in the woods, nature is eerily quiet.、Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's very, very little sound. I, I mean, most of the travel that I like to do is to go and photograph wildlife, and so to do that, you got to go in nature and. When people aren't around, it really doesn't matter where in the world you're at. Nature is eerily quiet. I mean, there's sounds when birds are calling. There's sounds, you know, if you're somewhere where there's primates, there will be some, you know, sounds here and there if if there's an alert. But for the most part. It's dead silent, and so we kind of know that in nature, silence is the default,、mm-hmm. and there and there's a lot of reasons for that. That you know we're we're living in the lap of luxury right now because we've lived in this era where there's abundant energy because of fossil fuels and. It's given us all of this power to create this these this global civilization that we've made, but that's an anomaly. It, if we hadn't encountered that resource, it would be so much different. I mean, we're we're kind of like it's as if a you know a, a whale. When it dies, sometimes it'll sink to the ocean floor, and then,、mm-hmm. for a period of time, all of the sea creatures can just feast on the blubber of that dead whale, and generations and generations of animals will feast on that. And, and from their perspective, they think, "Well, this is just how life is. There's just you know abundant."、Mm-hmm. Food everywhere, nonstop, and it's life is so easy. But that's just an anomaly. the The ocean is vast, and nutrients、mm-hmm. are hard to come by, and it would be very difficult to survive for those same animals had that whale corpse not been there.、Mm-hmm. And we're in the we're in the same situation. We're we think that this is just how life is, and we're. We're just we just happen to be feasting on this whale corpse, which is fossil fuels, and and so the reason why I'm saying this is that animals in nature need to conserve energy. 
Mm-hmm. They don't have the luxury of just chattering away all the time and making all the sound that they want and not being frugal with the energy that they expend. So being at rest, being quiet, not giving away your position to predators or competitors, that's what nature values. And so when we go back to this first phrase, she and Zuran, there isn't a need to speak a lot, which, you know, I know we're doing a podcast and so we're, we're being Mm -hmm. giant hypocrites there, but, you know, I think we we're trying to convey some deeper truths and hopefully the words that we're saying, um, are, are effective, but you know, that's really it, that, that speech is a tool. So that let's go back a little ways that writing only emerged, I'm just going to say 10,000 years ago. So think about every written thing. It's only everything that's been written has happened within the past 10,000 years. And, And so writing is fairly new. That's the thing that, you know, now society is, is based upon, I mean, any legalistic country, which most of them are, is based upon writing. All of this happened very recently. And so it wouldn't have been too far before that, that that's language and the spoken word would have emerged to any sort of complexity beyond, you know, grunts and um, just the sounds that primates make. And so that's just a tool, but now we actually conflate the words that we say and how we say it with who we are because we've wrapped it up in personality. And so now we really feel that, you know, it's what we say that, that makes us who we are. And it's so absurd because humans existed for hundreds of thousands of years where writing didn't exist, speech in in the form of a really um, complete language didn't exist. And yet here we are now and we really think that the thoughts that we have and the things that we say is who we are. And so to some extent, the more that we talk, the more divorced we are from our actual selves. And so there's a lot of reasons why we should probably try to talk a whole lot less. It makes us confused about who we are. It is really a waste of energy in a lot of ways. It creates a lot of clutter in our space um there's many reasons mm. well there there's a lot to unpack in what you just shared maybe one of the things we can uh, you know uh dive a little bit deeper is the sentence you just uttered which is the the more we speak the more divorce we are from ourselves 
Can you share a little bit more on that observation? Uh, why, why is it so? People feel like, okay, uh, I speak so I can express myself, right? It's like bring their self to manifestation or something. Like they feel like, you know, that's the way they communicate about themselves and, you know, assert themselves and fully, you know, uh, express themselves. So can you, can you just explain and help us understand a bit more? Yeah, I think that the modern way is to see the sensory world as a backdrop to ourselves and that when we're speaking in many ways we're speaking our speech disconnects us from the moment from what is happening because we've talked a lot about how thought creates separation and how mm -hmm. when we label things Mm -hmm. We just start seeing the labels and not the things that are there. And so talking really desensitizes us to the flow of doubt because who we really are is not the separate creature with a name, the separate identity, but we're part of everything. We're part of the flow of Tao and the quieter that we are and the more that we're actually sensing, using our whole bodies to sense the moment, feel the vibration of the moment, feel the essence of the moment, the more we are going to be connected with Tao. So for example, it, it's a rare thing that I get to do, but when I can just go by myself with my camera and go walking somewhere to try to see birds, I really stop existing. I mean, my senses are fully just engaging with the sights and sounds of that mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. And there is no identity there. I'm not thinking of, you know, Ian and his job and the mm -hmm. people that he loves and it's it it's it's just a total emptiness of self so that I can take in nature because I'm trying to find that hidden little gem in the moment whether it's you know a a goldfinch resting on the purple blossom of a thistle plant or hearing the sound of a, a, a Baltimore Oriole and wanting to go and, and see where it is and maybe getting that beautiful flash of fluorescent orange. And if we're talking, it destroys that. I mean, it literally kills any possibility. That's why, I mean, I love people, but generally what I've found if I take anyone else with me at all, mm -hmm. people start talking and it just, it actually just, it absolutely kills the experience because 
the words take center stage. It's people just chattering away at things, commentary and that sort of thing. And it, and it destroys all of the space for nature to breathe. Mm. I can relate to that. Uh, sometimes I go to social gatherings when somebody is dominating the conversation and really block the flow of the, you know, exchange, then no matter how, at first, you know, it's like, uh, you know, somebody may sound very brilliant, but eventually I think as time goes by, you know, that person exhausts the kind of the welcome, you know, people get bored and they, uh, I think in their mind, they spaced out or they just think about other things, even though they pretend that, you know, you s still listen to respectfully. I see a lot. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, I, I'm sure people have thought I've been rude, but sometimes I, I've just had to turn and walk away because I just, I can't take it anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what you are really saying, I think it's, Perhaps is the the key problem is the the self or the ego. So the when the ego occupies the center stage, then I think that's problem. What when the problem happens? Because when I think about the great music or poetry, right throughout history, these masterpieces. These are sounds, these are words, but why are they having such a long uh, longevity? And I guess part of the reason is that these artists, they merge themselves with, with nature or with something larger. They didn't just purely draw attention to themselves, although they, you know, there was part of themselves. And when that balance happens, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like to be one with Tao. But nowadays in social media, when we are so obsessed with ourselves, it's all, almost like a narcissism and um, it's becoming, it's so cheapening in, and people get tired of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, it's a, it's a silence. I think it's a, you know, nature is really silent power. I mean, it's silent, but it's so powerful. It has that transformative power. Uh, let's move on to the uh, rest of this uh, chapter. Um, you know, in this chapter, Lao Tzu talked about the high winds are not lasting all morning or heavy rain not lasting all day. What does that mean? Well, it means that the cycles of life are going to happen independently of what our hopes and wishes are or, or what mm. our fears are. I mean, our greatest fear might not ever come to pass. And 
our hopes and and dreams might not be fulfilled, Mm -hmm. everything is fleeting. And so even if those, even if something that we fear arrives, it's not going, that fear is not going to last. And even if something that we want to have happen happens, it happens for a moment. And then that Mm -hmm. moment moves into the past. I mean, people get married and, and they, they look forward to that wedding day and maybe plan it for a year. And, you know, there's all this excitement building up to it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that day happens and the moment you kiss the bride or you're the bride that gets kissed, Mm -hmm. the second that that happens, it's now the past. And now you have to deal with every moment of that marriage for, the rest of its existence, however long that relationship lasts, you know, from one hour to 60 years. And so there's going to be a lot of letting go in that there's going to be a lot of Mm -hmm. forgiving and, and a lot of um, work because each moment you have to, keep up with and each Mm -hmm. moment brings something new just like you know a a strong wind that's blowing the trees down and blowing all of your lawn furniture into the neighbor's yard when it's happening it's really scary and feels intense but nature there's a time with it i mean even the strongest hurricane it's moving i mean it might stall out for a day. And if that was happening, obviously that would be terrifying and people lose their lives and there's loss. Cause that's, that's how nature works, but it doesn't last long. I mean, mm-hmm. a hurricane doesn't just plant down for a month. It's, it's changing. It's moving. The currents are changing. It's shifting. An earthquake might last a, a minute or two. Uh, you know, no, no matter what these things are, Generally, the more intense they are, the shorter lived they are. I mean, uh, uh, I have patients who will have panic attacks, and mm-hmm. you know, yes, there are some people where they will they will have panic attacks for a long time. If you're experiencing it, they might be in that state. Some people even a day or two, which would would be terrifying. Mm-hmm. But it ends, and some you know. Everything is a dynamic system. Dow is a dynamic system and it's constantly changing. And so there really isn't any point in trying to hold on to anything. It's, it, it really is you no, know, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. And by good and bad, I mean, whether it's something you want or something that you don't want, because mm-hmm. it's not in your control. I mean, people, people want to feel like it is, but it's not. And so it's better to be impartial to everything that happens. That's not to say don't feel any emotion. Of course, Mm -hmm. you're going to feel emotion if something wonderful happens and you're going to feel emotion if you lose something that you cherish. Mm -hmm. But to expect that, that you can keep things a certain way. I mean, it's naive. So we, we have to learn 
that we got to let go of everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. What you're saying reminds me of this, uh, this, this quote from Viktor Frankl, right? The hmm. between stimulus, uh, between, uh, you know, the stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space, you know, we can choose, uh, you know, our, um, how, how we actually respond to it. And, um, you know, we can find the freedom, you know, like in that moment of either sadness or joy, you know, just to realize how fleeting this can be, that actually can be a, you know, really a comfort, right? So everything will come to pass. Yeah, I think that's really key thinking about, well, really creating that space, like you're saying, mm -hmm. and it's not even necessarily that we can make a decision or change it. But I think the, the, the real truth of that is that creating space in that moment for mm. acceptance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think the, um, well, I guess it's how you can see, um, because there, there's the imposing part, right? So if something good or bad happens, we have a tendency to kind of try to control the situation. You know, mm -hmm. that isn't usually very, not very wise because, you know, the natural flow of things, if you try to control, meaning like you try to hold on to a happy moments, right? Mm -hmm. Or you are trying to control by resisting a moment that's unpleasant. So that kind of control uh, doesn't work. So what options do we have? I think the acceptance, but the interesting about acceptance, I sometimes find that it's the, it's not a sheer passive passivity. It's mm -hmm. the acceptance. And from that acceptance, there's a natural power that does elevate you or propel you out of the dilemma, out of the tension of that moment. And there is an intention to follow that path. Mm -hmm. which in itself, I think, is a choice. It's it's not a choice like at a lower, lower realm. It's mm -hmm. a choice after the, after the acceptance at a higher realm that gives us the space and freedom. I find it's, you know, it's it's interesting. It's not, not, not the conventional way of, okay, good or bad, like, you know, flick, flip the coin or, you know, go this way or that way. But it's something after that space emerges, then the, a, a natural choice, I would say. Yeah, the, that's the paradox. And, mm -hmm. and, and Tao is full of, of paradoxes because, you know, I think when Dr. Kim was on the show, he mm -hmm. said, you know, a great truth is something that the opposite is also a great truth. And that only works when you're talking about paradoxes. And that's the great truth of, of Tao is that it's full of paradoxes. And so what you were just saying, it's, we see it in psychotherapy, the same thing that it's, 
only when I can completely accept myself as mm-hmm. I really am, do I have any possibility to change. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Say, can you, can you share some more about that? You know, that I think the, what you see a lot of times is either ourselves or other people, right? You want to change something or I want to make a change, like change myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that change would never happen or you will find you believe that you want to change yourself. Like, you know, during the new year, right? We all want to, you know, live a, a healthier lifestyle. You know, we'll get rid of the habits, right? The We, we make a resolution. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, you know, I find that I, you know, if I do not do enough of a deeper reflection before I make a resolution, meaning like reflection first, resolution, I just like, you know, after the, you know, the t- Times Square, like the big ball dropping. <laughs> and I, I said, you know, I resolved to do something, you know, as the statistics, you know, tells that uh, I think I saw some statistics saying like um, more than 50% of uh, uh, Americans uh, make New Year resolution, but then 88% finally can follow through it. So when you look at that, you know, the behavior of our making the resolution, I think a lot of times is that acceptance, that reflection doesn't happen first. So that's why that resolution will face eventually conscious or unconscious, you know, resistance or, you know, we, we have we have a very, in, lots of ways of uh, sabotaging in our own good intentions. Yeah, and the reason why Mm-hmm. To go back to your your point about how it's after acceptance that it gives us that kind of propulsion to then do something different, because what people are clinging on to is an idealization, and so whether it's about ourselves, so the person in therapy that can't change because they haven't accepted themselves, it's because what they're trying to change. Is it is some they see themselves in some less than realistic way, some idealized way, and another way of saying idealized is is fantasy, and it's the same with the person who can't accept the situation. They're clinging on to a fantasy. So if you keep trying to change a fantasy, you just get another fantasy. You're just you're you're just. You're, you're changing some, you're trying to change something with, that doesn't exist. And so you're stuck in this fan, basically a fantasy land, which how can you're never going to see any results in actual life because it's make-believe. So it's only when you can really accept the truth of yourself your moment, your situation, your capabilities, your capacities, the things that have happened to you, where you're at, then yes, now we can start doing something with that because there's acceptance of like, okay, well, this is the actual earth that I'm walking on. I mean, you can't build a castle on the clouds. Everything's just going to keep crashing to earth. And so by accepting what's real, that's what becomes the foundation for change. 
Wow, that's so powerful. I, I think the, you know, what you're saying reminds me of, you know, what, uh, you know, Krishna Murthy said a lot of times, you know, like all the ideologies or uh, dogma, you know, political or, or religious, they have that tendency of, you know, that make-believe, right? So it's, it's, a, it's something, it's like a formula, it's a, it's a goal or it's a lofty goal, whatever it is, it's just, it's, it's a, a deviation from who we really are. And then eventually, when you look at a lot of the causes, it's just like a one cause replacing the other. You know, whoever mm-hmm. are in power, they end up about the same as the person they, they, they you know, they, they try to uh, criticize or, or, or attack or overthrow. Exactly. I mean, that's it exactly. You know, the, the revolutionaries that are willing to use violence to, you know, destroy the current system or deconstruct it or whatever word you want to use, they might talk big about creating some utopia, but it never happens. It, it's just, they, they take the gears, uh, they take the wheel of power and just start doing corrupt things with their group of friends. And it looks more the way that they want it to look, but you know, it doesn't change the fundamental, um, civilization in, in a fundamental way. I mean, look at civilization throughout time. It's, it's the same patterns over and over and over again. Doesn't matter if it's, you know, doesn't matter what political system is used. You can see patterns that come out regardless. Right, right, right. Well, at this point, let me just like for, for the benefits of our listeners, let's kind of crystallize some of the key uh, key themes that are emerging from our conversation. You know, from the very beginning, when I ask you to reflect on, you know, the moments of walking the timeless way, you know, I heard that the key word is letting go, right? Then I added by saying, well, part of the letting go uh, and is to, um, to quiet the, the mind. You know, these two things are maybe bi-directional, you know, by quieting our mind, we let go, or by letting go, we quiet our mind, right? So then we laid that foundation, and then we just talked about acceptance. Then we talked about change. It's really like paints a, a, a good, interesting step-by-step for the new year, you know, as we ring out the old and ringing the new, that kind of a process of how we actually renew our lives. So maybe we can build upon what we've talked so far. And I, I want to ask you, you know, now we are in this transition period, really the last day and step into the new year. How would you help, you know, could you advise our listeners a little bit more on, you know, just taking the themes just emerge from our conversation? You know, how how, how can we kind of prepared, say good, how can we uh, best say goodbye to the old year and greet the new year? Well, I think you spelled it out pretty well, and I don't know that there's a whole lot else to say that, 
you know, by quieting our mind, we can accept. And by accepting, we can quiet our mind that there's sort of a virtuous mm-hmm. cycle there. And, and I think, you know, th- this is part of my therapy practice too, and it's hard work, but stop identifying with our thoughts. People mm-hmm. really, people really believe that their thoughts are who they are. And mm-hmm. again, going back to the same human brain that we have in our heads, other humans had before language. So obvious, obviously mm-hmm. we're not the thoughts that we have. We're not our personality. So I don't know. I think you already said it pretty well. Anything that I would add, I would say, you know, I'm going to try to really stop and think mm-hmm. before I say anything going into 2024, do a lot more pausing before I communicate something. You know, what am I actually communicating here? Am I just trying to mm-hmm. assert my personality? Mm-hmm. If I am, well, I should probably just keep that to myself. Um, you know, and there's a time and a place for it. I mean, obviously we're doing this podcast and. Right. We need to use words, right? Yeah. And Uh and we're trying, trying to be entertaining and keep people's attention for an hour. So if we were just talking like an AI or something that, that wouldn't be very engaging. So you're trying to be persuasive or whatever, but what I really mean is just inserting things because I feel like I need it psychologically for my own sense of stability inside. That's the sort of thing that actually gets in the way of true stability. You know, when we have this flimsy idea of who we are Mm -hmm. and we we say things because we need someone to validate that so that we feel solid, that's the thing that keeps us kind of stuck um, outside of Tao. Yeah, that is a kind of a mental habits for a lot of people. I mean, just the the very fact, sometimes even without our being conscious about it, right? Just uh, that's the definition of codependent. I mean, uh, you know, two people who, instead of truly being grounded in Tao or whatever you want to call it, um, they just use each other to validate that flimsy um projection and they become dependent on each other for that so i mean so that's one thing and then the other thing is just cultivating more faith or hope or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. that um things are changing and, and and things are unfolding as they're unfolding and, you know, I'm, I'm not saying the type of faith that it's not a false hope, right? It's not like you have a certain, uh, unrealistic or idealistic, uh, expectation projected to certain leaders, uh, political leaders or business leaders. It's, it's something from within. Yeah. It, it, it's not the, you know, 
thoughts and prayers after, uh, you know, the next mass shooting. It's not that kind of thing where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, obviously so ridiculous at this point that, you know, all the thoughts and prayers clearly are not stopping the mass shootings. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, Really, what I would say is it's faith and faith itself. You know, we we have to have hope and we have to have optimism. And if we lose that, there's a decline. And so if for nothing else, we have to have that just because it is, it's spiritual food. And just like, you know, Every delicious meal that we eat after it's left our mouth and enters our digestive system, it's destroyed and we absorb those nutrients and it, and it goes away and pretty soon we have to eat again. Mm -hmm. Faith, hope, optimism, whatever word you want to use, it's the food for our soul, for our spirit, for you know, our psychological health. So whatever word you want to use, it's necessary and we have to keep consuming it. We have to keep, I don't want to say consuming it because that sound, we have to keep connecting with it and engaging with it. Just like we have to keep getting water in our body. We have to keep getting food in our body. We have to keep getting hope and, and, and optimism in our beings. Otherwise, you know, we're going to go downhill just like if we don't eat well and our bodies don't have nutrients and we're going to have problems. You know, Lao Tzu never talked explicitly about faith, hope, or optimism. Do you think just by reading you know, between the lines of Tao Te Ching or just to uh, really reflect on the messages, there are grounds for faith, hope, and optimism by understanding how Tao works. So where does, because traditionally we derive that from, you know, our religious beliefs, right? So Lao Tzu, you know, these are not the key concepts in Tao Te Ching. What you know, I'm curious what led you, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. That's our food, uh, right? That's our spiritual food. Uh, that's the, you know, the essence of our existence, right? We, we, we need that as humans, right? But I, I'm curious about how you derive that from Tao Te Ching, even though it's not explicitly discussed. I think it's more, I think I'm definitely drawing more from psychotherapy realm with this. And, um, you know, clearly it's not, you know, Lao Tzu never says, you know, to pray and, and I'm, you know, not saying that either. Lao Tzu never says, um, believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. right, right, right. it's actually the opposite of that, and right. And I'm not, but he, and I'm, he did say the 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 rain, the stormy rain was won't last the whole morning, right? But that in itself that tells you something. Yeah, he's saying 
you know, all things shall pass, which, mm-hmm. you know, that that's not a unique um, concept. That's just from observation. But I think that um, if, if you don't have optimism, why would you get out of bed in the morning? Why would you, you know, yeah, sure. People might go through the motions. And so it's a deeper type of faith. It's, it's, um, and I think Lao Tzu does talk about this. It's not the kind of, it's Mm -hmm. not the faith of, I'm special and God loves me as the special little creature mm-hmm. because that right. that is not right. that is not Taoism and I that's not mm-hmm. what I'm saying and I don't mm-hmm. believe that. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's an even deeper philosophical question because there's that question of is life even real? Mm-hmm. You know, is, is is this anything or is mm-hmm. it just nothing? And I think that if you start looking at life like it's nothing, that's going to hurt really badly. And, and it's going to have repercussions. Mm-hmm. And I think Lao Tzu does say life is real. And, and, and that's, that's fundamentally it just that you can believe that this life is something mm-hmm. and that's not a value judgment, but, it's really important that you see life as having value because as soon as you say life has no value, there's going to be consequences. And so right. while, while Lao Tzu doesn't say faith or, or belief, he does paint a picture repeatedly that mm-hmm. Tao is real. Life is real. There is there is something to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's that deeper fundamental thing, not like, is Santa going to bring me the present? You know, mm-hmm, I, that, mm-hmm. I, I believe I'm going to get the presents that I want this year. It, no, it's not the childish faith and hope. It's, it's this deeper faith that this is something, and I will never know what it is. Mm-hmm. But this is real. This is a real experience. This is a real moment. And having faith in that, that this experience is something that shouldn't be discounted. Right. So just the pure fact that life is real, Tao is real, that in itself gives us faith and confidence at a deeper level, right? It's it's not necessarily a... Uh, you know, we tend to be very uh, human centric. Like, yes. Right. We, you know, Nietzsche talk about the, the valuation of the world, valuation of life. Right. We everything that we see around us, we consciously or unconsciously put a value around it. Yeah. Good or evil or something. Uh, so that trapped us in our very narrow view of you know, what it is when sometimes, you know, when we see forces uh, outside our control, uh, we tend to see life is absurd, right? I mean, even, you know, when you look at the, the existentialist, I think they still, they are trapped in the 
individualism yeah. to a great extent. I think that's their trap. They, I, I think they are freed from the traditional philosophical thinking by, you know, not uh, necessarily saying, you know, like say, oh, there's a predetermined essence, like what Plato said. Mm-hmm. So in, from it, that's a liberation. That's a liberation yeah. from that traditional dogma about the world beyond us. But I think the individualist or existentialist, they are falling into a new trap of their individualism, right? They, they yep. fail to recognize what you just said, that actually you see that absurd. You see, you know, uh, as, you know, as chaotic, but actually there's an order. It's not only real, life is real, but also there's an order. You just need to go with it to experience it. And then you realize it. Yeah, I I agree. Life is a lot less absurd when you quit putting yourself at the center of existence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is a good, uh, well, we'll continue to explore this in the new year, but, uh, you know, we've, uh, enough of a food to, uh, to chew on, uh, you know, on this last day of 2023. And, uh, I want to wish you and wish our listeners the best of the, the new year. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We make this podcast for you, and it's entirely listener-supported. If you find value in our discussion of Tao, please consider making a small donation at walkingthetimelessway.com. We also want to hear from you. Please write to us anytime via our website.